And good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now, Teresa Tamio. You know her as host of Catholic Connection, which you hear every morning, uh, carried on by EWTN. And uh, she's the author of many books as well, uh, including Listening for God, Discovering the Incredible Ways God Speaks to Us, and also a book that goes directly to the topic we're discussing today, uh, her book Noise, which is a look at the problems of uh, modern media. Uh, Teresa's situated in a great place to write such a book because she, for 30 years, has been working in TV, radio, newspaper, 19 of those years in front of a camera as a reporter and anchor in the Detroit market. In the year 2000, Teresa left secular media to start her own speaking and communications company, Teresa Tamio Communications, and her daily radio program, Catholic Connections, produced by Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Teresa, thanks for joining me. Hey, Al. Always great to chat. I want to talk about the the ongoing problems mm. of the mainstream press, mainstream media. It's good, though, because you sent me... Uh, you know, you sent me a piece uh, which focused in on the opening of the Second Vatican Council uh, back in 1962, right. mm-hmm. and comments by John the Twenty Third, Pope John the Twenty Third, who went out of his way to address journalists from all over the globe who were coming to Rome uh, to report on the council, and uh, his words were significant. Uh, it showed how seriously the Church uh, took media. The Church understood what was at stake. Right. In telling the truth. Um, it, it, tell me a little bit more. Yeah, it's, you know, every morning when, when I put the news together, I'm always going on the Vatican website and our various EWTN news sites in addition to different secular sites to just kind of get a sense of what's going on. Of course, marking 60 years of Vatican II. And I love these documents and these letters from our church leaders talking about, you know, the reality of the press. I think it really shows the universal truth and how the church is the fullness of truth and that the church gets it and she has gotten it for a long time in terms of the press. I'm always talking about the World Communications Day statements which right. came out of right. Vatican II. I'm always talking about Inamorifica, you know, John Paul II's rapid development, which is fantastic. But I have to say I don't think I've I've seen this message that I sent you uh in, in preparation for this conversation that we're having today. So they're looking at the third day of the Second Vatican Ecumenical Council when Pope now St. John the Twenty-Third received journalists accredited to the council, inviting them to contribute to the disarmament of spirits, which is a primary condition of the establishment of true peace on earth. So just the, just the understanding of what the media can do and the power the media have, I think it's super interesting to just read what this summary on the Vatican News website says, just part of it. Sure. Pope St. John the Twenty Third, well aware of the role and the power of the media, had already set in motion a series of innovations to help the press tell the story. According to those journalists who attended, the most important innovation in the press office of the council was that the summaries of the debates prepared by employees in the various language groups were accompanied by explanations of the theological experts. So this is what the Vatican started to do back then, is when these debates, these discussions were held, mm-hmm. they would provide you know, a summary and a translation. But what he says, on the occasion of the council, we've created a press office and a secretariat for the techniques of diffusion, and we have set up a conciliar commission, which together with the lay apostolate will deal with the press, radio, and entertainment. The Pope reminded those present of their duty to always be at the service of truth and reflecting on how the message conveyed by different media, listen to this, was able to reach and ultimately guide the thoughts, feelings, and passions of a large part of mankind warning against a distortion of the truth 
by the media, which he said can have incalculable consequences. Now, yeah. right there, we could take that and apply it to so many things we're seeing in the media, especially with the news media. I, it's amazing the mm-hmm. respect that he showed. Right. Um, and yet today in America, anyways, trust in media remains uh, at a near record low. Yeah. You yeah. Know, Absolutely. Uh, the Gallup poll that just came out saying it's getting it's getting much, much worse and it's the lowest level, I think, since let me look at it. I've got the statistics right here. It's one of the lowest levels we've seen in decades. Thirty four percent of Americans trust in the mass media to report the news fully, accurately and fairly, essentially unchanged from last year, but two points higher than the lowest Gallup poll recorded in 2016 during the presidential campaign. Mm. Just seven percent of Americans have a great deal of trust and confidence in the media. Wow. That's that's, yeah, and unfortunately, the people still look to the media, right? And and so when they can't trust the media, it means that they are not having their thoughts, their feelings, their passion shaped by truth, right? But by suspicion, Mm -hmm. they're always asking, "Is this true? Are they telling me the truth? What's what's wrong here? What what aren't they getting?" And this is a this is a big problem. I watched last night. I watched a documentary, a uh, frontline documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on uh, uh, General Michael Flynn and his uh, prominent place, even leadership, in what they called the White Christian Nationalist Movement. And uh, this is something. This is a this has been a boogeyman for the the American press for a long time. And there's many things in what uh, General Flynn is doing that I would disagree with. But the problem is it deserves a a serious analysis. Mm -hmm. And that's what was missing for over an hour of this presentation. We we never learned. We never learned, for instance, how uh, General Flynn's Catholicism uh, has connects with him believing that America— is the uh, irreplaceable nation that the last hope for humanity is the United States. That's not a Catholic teaching. So mm-hmm. why don't you ask him about that? Right. Uh, how, how does he make sense of it? No analysis uh, from... Uh, they didn't spend any time with Christians who disagree with this particular movement. Um, it, it was... It was basically a hatchet job. Well, yeah, but that that but the whole point is they're they're not putting forth, and as you know, Pope John the twenty third alluded to, the problems that can occur when this happens. They're putting forth a consistent agenda. And what's interesting, the other story that I sent you, what's interesting is when the reporters within the industry are trying to ask the basic who, what, where, when, why questions, they are eaten by their own. And the yeah. case in point would be the recent apology that Fetterman's yes. wife demanded of NBC and MSNBC. Yeah. After the reporter raised some very legitimate questions, and she was she was very poised. I saw I saw the live shot and the exchange she had with the anchor, Savannah Guthrie, and she was saying, "Look, when I sat down with him prior to the closed caption questioning, there was a there was a, a real disconnect there. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she was very respectful. She wasn't mocking him. She wasn't insulting him. She was saying he really seemed to have a hard time understanding what I was saying, and it wasn't until." that we had this conversation via the closed captioning with the computer screen and whatnot, that he was able to answer my questions. And even when he was answering the questions, if you saw parts of the interview, he was struggling because obviously he's still recovering from a struggle. You would think that she made fun of him and it called him names and insulted him. 
And I was pretty glad to see that she stuck to her guns because mm-hmm. she was she was pressured by her own anchor saying, well, wait a minute. Other reporters aren't saying this. Other reporters had different experiences. She says, well, maybe that was their experience, but this is my experience. I said, good for you yeah. for speaking the truth and saying what happened when you interviewed this man who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, there were all kinds of silly uh, analogies made. Um would she have made a similar remark if a wheelchair user couldn't get around yeah. without a wheelchair? Right. Well, I use a wheelchair. <laughs> right. And it's not the same as right. being uh, unable to um, uh, process a language. And apparently there's some, his stroke, he still has uh, problems uh, with processing uh, audi- audible information. So... Is this significant? Yes, it's significant. It is significant. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's just amazing that it's, it's not even that um, they're ignoring this problem. They can't ignore it because it's, it's, it's right there. But they, they are attacking people who are raising the question that this might impede his ability uh, mm-hmm. to serve as senator. That is a legitimate question to ask uh, someone running for a major office. Just as during the, the Trump administration, the media were all over the fact when he was going up, I forget which event he was at, and he slipped on one of the um, the ramps he was going, he was he was moving on because he was going to a military exercise and he was going up the ramp and he slipped and oh my goodness, it was as if the man was, you know, um, had all these issues and this is proof that he's not capable of being president. And yet you have, unfortunately, all these problems with Joe Biden, who is obviously having some trouble connecting on a cognitive level, whether it be at a press conference or whether it be at conversations, and really struggling. And again, the same thing. They, they ignore this and they say everything is fine. Don't look over here. You know, look at the shiny object. Don't, don't look at the man behind the curtain. And yet when it's on the other side of issues or people in which they don't believe or agendas that they don't want to promote, then all bets are off. And this is why it's so sad to see that it's not about truth, it's about protecting the people and the movements that they believe are correct. Well, let's, let's jump to one uh, issue, which is right before us today, and that is the issue of abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always a problem back in the 1970s, into the 80s, into the 90s. It was always difficult to get a fair hearing for the pro-life side. Mm-hmm. But there were news outlets, uh, there were uh, you know organs of opinion that were willing to at least permit pro-life presentation uh, as just what was necessary to get a good grasp of the issue. I have not, I've yet to see uh, any mainstream media presentation now which takes seriously the pro-life position that the preborn child is w- one of us, uh, one of our kind, uh, that it's it, not just one life being concerned here, but two. It, to me, this is unbelievable because this is a, a major public p- policy issue. It is going on at state levels, so you actually have journalists who are closer to the, the problem. Uh, You've got all your local uh, television stations and newspapers that can go after this. And yet, I'm not seeing, I don't know if you're seeing it, but I'm not no, seeing no. a presentation of the pro-life position. I'm not no. talking about championing the pro-life no, position. No, I'm just saying give us a chance to express that side of that yeah. side of the issue. We saw this recently with, with Carrie Lake, who's running for governor in Arizona, and she was pressured, or not pressured, but questioned at a press conference, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe, was it this week or last week? And the, the reporter asked her right out of the gate, well, uh, do you believe in this and this and this about abortion? And she said, look, 
She said, how many times have I told you my pro-life position? And she was very direct with the reporter. She says, why are you only, and she repeated again, look, I'm pro-life. This is what I believe. And, and I think women need support. And she talked about pregnancy resource centers. And she says, why aren't you asking these questions of my Democratic opponent, who's staunchly, by the way, pro-abortion, Katie Hobbs, and will still not answer that question as to what type of limit she believes in abortion? Well, bottom line is she doesn't believe in any, if you look at what she's said uh, before. But this idea that anybody, it's not only not expressing our view in terms of pro-life and people who carry that view, but it's presenting those people who are pro-life as extreme and out of touch when just the opposite is true. Yeah. Teresa, can you stay with me a little longer? Yes, Very I Very good. Thank you. My guest, Teresa Tomio, host of Catholic Connection, uh, well-known author, uh, media analyst. We're talking a, taking a look at the current state of the media, comparing it with the expectations of Pope St. John the Twenty-Third at the opening of the Second Vatican Council. There's a huge gap here. And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Teresa Tamio, host of Catholic Connection, author, media analyst, and uh, longtime friend. We were just talking uh, off the air about the, you pointed out to me, The Guardian, uh, right. which is, again, a major uh, newspaper, has published images of gestational tissue from the first nine weeks Mm -hmm. of pregnancy. Uh, Tell me what the great sin was. They did not clarify that the embryo had actually been removed, giving the impression that no baby was present. Now, this is how desperate the media are to support the pro-death, the culture of death abortion agenda. We are going to change reality. Now, this is pretty ridiculous because any of us who've taken, you know, basic science 101 in high school or in college or anyone who has a friend and you, they've showed you your ultrasound pictures, now we have the 3D ultrasound, people know what's going on. I mean, this is ridiculous, but this shows just how much they want to manipulate people in thinking that, oh, it's just quote-unquote tissue versus an actual human being. Yeah, yeah. It's, you just wonder about the conscience of such people. Uh, an issue of such major importance to be willing to manipulate the imagery um, just terrible it's just hard to uh, I mean this this goes back to propagandistic techniques yeah. from uh, you know totalitarian regimes for heaven's right. sake mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. why don't I also bring up the question of the president uh, who has gained a reputation uh, over many years for exaggeration in outright lies, right, and <clears throat> not not small lies either. I think this is, you know, this is um, the press would like us to think of him as kind of Uncle Joe, uh, who shows up now and then, and he kind of, uh, you know, puffs up and exaggerates. Eats his ice cream, and yeah, yada, yeah, yada, yada. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we had in my family, we had a, an uncle who popped around every year or two, and it was filled with weird stories and we'd all gather around him and you know i'm convinced half those things are entirely false that he mm-hmm. uh, his name was uncle knapp and in have to say joe biden more and more begins to resemble uncle knapp right um you mentioned his raised uh puerto, <laughs> raised puerto, in rican. puerto rican neighborhood mm-hmm. uh and but this the, the problem here many people may not remember this but in 1987 in 88, he was uh, running in the primaries. Uh, he wanted to be the Democratic candidate for president. He was forced out then because of the discovery that he had uh, plagiarized parts of a speech from Neil Kinnock, 
the leader of the Labour Party in Britain, and he dropped out of the presidential context. But his his lying has continued. It it continues on. He talk his he lies about his family. Uh, he lies about his um, achievements. Uh, they discovered back then that he had uh, mentioned he had three degrees. Uh, when in fact he didn't, he had a single undergraduate degree, um, and he he has this. He seems to act in such a way that forbid forbid people from taking him seriously. That I mean, that's what I'm saying. He he, he thinks that he can push. He can throw things out there, and then if they prove to be false. He he can act as though it wasn't that important in the first place, such as um, uh, you know claiming to uh, pin a medal on yes. a soldier mm-hmm. in Afghanistan mm-hmm. when in fact mm-hmm. it was President Obama who pinned the medal in Washington D.C. Right. I mean, right. it's just oh, even the corn pop story. No, confronting a gang leader named Corn Pop in the 1960s. I mean, the Silver Star, as you mentioned, right. the time he allegedly rode on Amtrak to visit his sick mother, among other things. I mean, and now saying that just recently that he was raised in the Puerto Rican community. I'm like, what? You know, or even, you know, using his family and saying what is that his son, and he say one of his sons died in Iraq. I mean, that's the last week. I never heard about that before. Right. So over and over and over again, and he gets away with it. Yeah, and it doesn't... Uh, it, you would think that there'd be at least one uh, large media uh, operation which would begin to ride this thing. Uh, he, he, this is, he, he muddles Catholic teaching on abortion, and he mm-hmm. doesn't get called down on it. Right. Uh, I don't understand why they – you know, you have to just – you hate to attribute the worst uh, motives uh, to the press on this, but it's hard to, it's hard to think uh, in any way uh, that they're – being noble or virtuous. Well, there's always a double standard. Uh, For example, the Times did do a piece on the lies of Biden, but they actually said it's more of his folklorish nature. This is what he does. It's so cute, the old man. He can veer into folklore where they did a comparison to Donald Trump saying he lied constantly. Okay, well, there are many times that that he may have lied, and and I'm sure you could document that very easily. But at the same time, why is it that it's those on the right who, if if they lie... They are raked over the coal, as they should be, if they're, if it's, it's, especially if it's something, obviously, right, lying is wrong, period. But yet, those in whom you think have the right agendas, and in whom you may believe as, as a newspaper, then, okay, it's all just, isn't that cute? Isn't that just adorable? Or when he's standing just recently in the ice cream shop, eating an ice cream, and, you know, it would be interesting to find out how much that ice cream costs, given it was in a waffle cone, it was a huge, and he's saying that the economy, pardon my French, this is a direct quote, is as strong as hell. What? Yeah, anybody, what? anybody watching the Dow over the last uh, uh, year knows that they their four hundred one ks are down mm-hmm. about twenty five thirty percent. Yeah, I mean, he, <clears throat> during Hurricane Ian, he began talking about how his own house was nearly destroyed fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said we didn't lose our whole home, but lightning struck and we lost an awful lot of it. Well, <clears throat> he also mentions an incident where. Uh, it's like having a. I've had. We've had a house burned down with my wife in it. What? <laughs> no, seriously. Wow. And and you know, so people looked into it. It turns out that the Delaware fire chief, who responded to the call, said, uh, "This was a small fire that was contained in the kitchen, and the fire was under control in twenty minutes." 
it wasn't as though he was his wife was you know screaming for help in a burning right. house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he he just has that, and he he thinks that his uncle Joe persona permits him to you know exaggerate and to play loose with the facts. But I think then, okay, if you're going to do that, then it's up to the media because that's what the media are supposed to be about, fact-checking and being a government watchdog. Where is that? That's gone, at least in, in the overall secular media. That's the problem. And you're always going to have politicians, whether they're Republican, Democrat, Independent. Now, I think this in this particular case, it's over the top. But there, there's always going to be those who are making things up just to kind of bolster their image or, or make them appear more empathetic to a particular group or a particular cause. But for crying out loud, the media are supposed to fact check those people and say, whoa, wait a minute. You know, can you get back to us on this? And because this is what you said a few years ago, which is completely opposite of what you said yesterday. That's not being done, at least not with liberal people. People who are in politics who are pro-abortion and pro-everything else under the sun and that we as, as Catholics and Christians disagree with. Yeah, you know, this is funny because it seems as though the the press generally is now accepted that there's only two sides to a story, their side and the rights side. Mm-hmm. And I think that this, is, this becomes a problem because they cannot—most stories— are much more complex, complex yes, and nuanced yes. mm-hmm. than picking one of two sides. And uh, this is the story again. I mentioned the frontline coverage of mm-hmm. uh, uh, General Flynn. Look, it, it's a it's a it's a very good topic, a worthwhile topic. Christians are very concerned about this, uh, but they made it sound as though his presentation is uh, characterizes the entire conservative Christian movement in America, right. which it doesn't. There's plenty right. of criticism there. Um, and I don't, uh, it doesn't take a lot of work to find people. You you call some of the Christian colleges or universities around the country and ask them, call talk to American government people or their his, historians. You can get people to contextualize mm-hmm. this movement of his uh, and but it's not done. It's portrayed as though this is a this is a near and present danger. You should all be alarmed at what this person is doing. He's taking over the churches, etc., etc., etc. Right, right. It's complete. Just a, they they could have done a great public service by clarifying what was going on there. Uh, I don't know how you do a, a, an hour on a, a political movement and not actually. Uh, come up with a list of what their policy demands might be, you know, mm-hmm. but they, they managed. <laughs> but, but the basic, basic reporting isn't even there, Al, as you mentioned, in describing that, that uh, documentary, which I didn't see, but the basic 101, I mean, reporting 101, who, what, where, and why, and how, the background of this, getting different sources, explaining it, having maybe people who have a different approach yeah. to give a really balanced understanding of what's going on. In the pro-life community, getting back to what you were saying earlier uh, before the break about the horrible coverage of the pro-life issue, what they do when they do cover pro-lifers is they try to make all pro-lifers seem extreme. And even in the case of yeah. all these people yeah. have, who have been arrested, if you look at their showing up, the reason they did the arrest, and this is my, my opinion, I think it's all theater. Now, I think they're serious and going to try to lock some of these people up to use them as, as scapegoats and, and witnesses to say you better not be out there praying or, or protesting or this will happen to you. But at the same time, 
and I mentioned this several times on the year, I have covered so many raids in my life as a secular reporter, but they were not for people who committed felonies or, or, or excuse me, people who committed misdemeanors and people against who the charges against whom the charges have been dropped. Yeah. I mean, we're talking a, a misdemeanor in the case of Mark Houck, which, by the way, the person who accused him of this didn't show up for court several times. And basically, the, the local prosecutor in the Philly area dropped the case. And so what do they do? They go and they look under the FACE Act and they go after him and they show up at this man's home with long guns and uh, vests and shields. Now, come on. This is what they do. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in, in the vans with the DEA or with the Detroit police where they go in. And that's for theater, too. I get it. But these are real criminals who are doing something like right. drug trafficking right. or trafficking illegal weapons. And you get go in the house and you see it. They see the evidence is right there. And in this case, they just want to use the theater and they want to get the idea that, okay, this is a minor altercation, but we have to give people the impression that these pro-lifers, they are a threat to our democracy. Right. Yeah, that's that's become the new that's become the new tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, so it's not merely that we're wrong, um, but now we are a threat to the uh, civil uh, civil society. But it's always it's always projection because what what's the threat? is the way they are portraying the people of life, the people with whom they disagree. There are more than just two sides to a story. As you said, there's no depth, there's no balance, there's no helping people understand the issues at a deep level. And what is really a threat to democracy is just that. As you said, this is what we saw in terms of the media with these totalitarian regimes, where they only show one angle to give you a particular idea. Yeah. And I I also think these young young journalists that were doing this program at Frontline they seem to be producing material for their resume. Right. Uh, you know, they're trying to get the approval of the eyes of their people they might be working well, for. Well, they're in the trained future. now in J School, unfortunately, to be um, advocates and activists and not journalists. Yeah. No. Teresa, thanks. We'll talk thanks, again. Thanks, Al. Mm-hmm. Teresa Tamio.